myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is transpersonal therapist C.K. Love from Toronto, Canada. I had a great time. We actually crossed borders with this episode as we talked to somebody in Canada. She is a transpersonal therapist, which means she not just handles the emotional and mental, but she also tackles the spiritual as well. It's a fantastic, interesting conversation we get into about transpersonal therapy and how she got into it. And then we get into her fear of heights. So let's get into this conversation right now with C.K. Love. All right. My guest is transpersonal therapist C.K. Love. What a great name for a therapist. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Nice to, nice, nice to see you. Nice to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for, thanks for being a guest. So you're based out of Toronto. Now, how, I would say, how big is transpersonal therapy? Because it's, you're kind of the first person that's ever, I guess, addressed it with me. So it feels fairly newer, like niche. I suppose you could t- you could say that it's a contemporary, uh, but a lot of the um, kind of psychology uh, traditions or theories uh, techniques are are more modern. Um, they're more contemporary in a way of uh, '60s, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of um, there's a lot of gestalt. There's a lot of stuff about Jungian. Of course, that's older, um, but it's it's kind of takes its its step into um, the um, psycho um stuff from young on and so it kind of incorporates um a lot of the uh uh, techniques that were developed during the 60s in est um so a lot of things like uh breath work and holotropic breathing um things like meditation and um getting into the organism so stuff that this this uh kind of couple the Mendels um, did, which is getting into the organism, getting into a place where, so there's a lot of techniques. It's really great because there is a lot of techniques that you can use as a therapist for transpersonal. But what transpersonal is, is that it's the theory that um, we as as human beings evolve. And so we evolve from the pre-personal, which is about being the child that looks externally out into the world for its identity. And then you go into the personal, which is about the me, the I like this, I don't like this, the preferences, the opinions, the, the, the separation of identity from the whole into the personal. And a lot of people stay in that particular place and I guess you could kind of equate it to getting to having to go into adulting um, where the transpersonal is about 
not leaving necessarily who you are, but then extending out into the world instead of expecting the world to bring things always to you to actually be um, be able to see where you are placed in the world, where you are placed in the universe, um, what your um, reason for being is, that kind of stuff, and and really becoming a part of a greater whole, which is transpersonal. That's awesome. Beyond personal. So that's a lot because I, I I hear a lot of comics that struggle with that that all of their thoughts and stuff of trying to think of all the mundane and stuff that they just kind of get wrapped up in that we're on a rock that's floating in space that's nothingness but it's a nothingness that keeps getting bigger and bigger and expanding and to infinite and it's you know they get themselves just completely almost enveloped into those kind of thoughts like Pete Holmes as a comic I I know definitely does a lot of like like what you're saying like transpersonal thinking and and just really out like where do I fit in the universe like it's like molecules and it just you know he <laughs> just having his mind just kind of constantly you know blown by how how this world works and how everything magically you know molecules know what parts of molecules you are and there's like it's just it's very it's it can be overwhelming when you think about it like when you start to get down that wormhole right right and so and it can get existential in the way that you know you become you you, you start thinking gloom and doom um mm -hmm. <laughs> about it that you you really don't have a place or you don't have um the power to change things um but transpersonal therapy or the transpersonal that's a place where you can understand that you do have a place, that you actually um, are a part of a greater energy. Um, and that when you start to tap into what what your path is, you know, a lot of people, and I'll say this right now, and I know that a lot of people will disagree with me, but we actually don't have control over our what we do because, not because it's predestined, but because it energy unfolds, energy moves energy. And so if we can understand ourselves as energy, then um, then you can understand how to listen to the rhythm of whatever's happening in your life. And that's where synchronicity comes in. That's where how deja vu comes in. That's that kind of stuff um, where it, things start to make sense a little bit more. That's a very, very interesting, like a fascinating, like energy because you, you don't think of yourself as energy, but movement is energy. It's kinetic energy. And it's you, when you bump into something, that's your energy transferring into whatever you're bumping into and either knocking it off or knocking you back. It's, you, you yeah. don't, it's, it's such a, I would say overlooked, you know, just part of life that they, you don't look at it at that level because it's probably advanced science class when you did it and you, yeah. <laughs> you tuned out. So what yeah, it, we get caught in the minutia of our lives and, and transpersonal just broadens that a bit. So you can look, you look from the outside in and to really see what's going on. What got you into transpersonal therapy? Like what was, what, what got your, what, what made you go from, I guess, 
almost, I'll, I'll ask you what got you into therapy. Then I would say once you were in a therapist, what made you, how did you discover transpersonal therapy? So let's do a two-parter. Like what brought you into being a therapist to begin with? And then after in that journey, how did you discover transpersonal therapy? Um, well, I started, I started out um, being an artist and I started out in architecture. So I, I have a degree in architecture. I did that. And then I, I don't know, there's something that was in me ever since I was a kid that didn't really follow the, the normal path of life. Like I never really kind of adhered to um, what society was kind of thinking that I should do. So when, when you're kind of that kind of person, you, you don't have a easy time of accepting who you are and, and, and where you fit in the world. And, um, and so I kept on searching and kept on searching and I just stumbled upon because I was having a conversation with, um, was I doing yoga? I was doing yoga at the time, but I wasn't doing any teaching at the time Mm -hmm. and I wasn't training at the time, but I, I was always interested in it and the philosophies. Um, but I just talked to uh, a cranial sacral um, massage therapist and she told me to go visit this person who could change my life. And, and there you go. He changed my life. And he was, um, he's a mentor and a teacher and he was a Buddhist at the beginning. And then he adopted the transpersonal stuff and he and his partner at the time opened the transpersonal therapy here in Toronto. And um, um, ironically, they um, they named it the TTC, so Transpersonally Thera- Transpersonal Therapy Centre. And here in Toronto, we have the TTC, which is the Toronto Transit Commission. <laughs> so, so traveling, <laughs> traveling, getting on board somewhere. So, um, so, so yeah, so that's how I got into transpersonal therapy. That's, I was searching. Interesting. And it's it's always interesting to me. A lot of people that I know have become counselors or therapists have had just life changing because the therapist they they were they went to was made such an impact on their lives. Like I one of my ex girlfriends was a was, lost her dad to can terminal cancer and it was a slow, painful process and she got a she went to a grief counselor and she said once she you know did that just the feeling she had she wanted to i guess help other people have that kind of closure and i guess catharsis that she got and so she became a counselor and i know another i had a friend that's a therapist and she you know was was so moved by her therapist that it just it inspired them to i guess join that rank so it's it, it's always it's something I hear a lot is that a lot of times you have a therapist or somebody in your life that makes such an impact that you, you almost want to replicate that with others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, a lot of my experience is, um, with therapy and with, uh, um, you know, the Western way of doing things. And I'll, I'll say that, um, because that's how I feel that the Western way of doing things is really organismic and um, symptomatic as opposed to um, as opposed to spirit and that kind of um, energy and uh, um, and more 
um, um, what do you say, preventative. So, so Eastern philosophy to me um, answers a lot of the questions that I had. And I'm, I was pretty sure that I wasn't the only person who had those questions. And I, I felt that the Western psychologies and psychiatry never answered those questions. And I thought there was something missing. And, um, and I like to bring it to people because I think that, um, I think that a lot of us are in pain because of, uh, I don't know how we're taught in the world. And, and so I'd like to bring about an, a different kind of um, understanding of the world, a different understanding of who we are that we have never encountered so that they can discover something new about themselves, which I did. Yeah. That's, so. that's definitely, I, and I was, when we, before we started, I was like, that's a, that feels like it's a, it's a three prong process in your life that you have a spiritual piece. You have, even if it may be, you know, a, I guess maybe an agnostic or something to where you don't really have a, you know, set belief system in place, there's still a spiritual, I guess, feeling of belonging and stuff that that people, not just that you're in a group of people that are like that of like mind and have the same values that you have and stuff like that. That that's why you have your close friends are you're in your you're so well, I guess, with your best friends and stuff, you're very close and you have almost a familial because spiritually you, you, you connect with them also on a spiritual level of, you know, spiritually what they're about and not just somebody that shares your interest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that thought where we could feel that we belong to each other just because we have a heart, you know, just because we um, love, just because we feel, just because we um, go through these these horrible times. And you can talk to anybody, and that's part of the anthology book that I did. You could talk to anybody at any time, and there's a universality to all our experiences. And I think that what I love about the transpersonal process is, is that you do start to see that you can be gracious to everyone in the world and, and not to say, and, and, you know, the process is to know your boundaries and to, you know, everybody knows that kind of stuff, but to really exercise those things and still be able to come out into the world and not be so protective and not to be so fearful, but to actually invite people into your realm, your aura, just for a moment, you know, and when you say hello to a cashier and how are you, you're just inviting people in and saying, I see you and we belong in the same, we belong in the same group. And I'm getting all kind of emotional about that because <laughs> it's also very loving and sweet and, and, and kind, which is something that we really truly need in the world right now is that kind of understanding. Yeah, and I feel social media kind of does take away from that because everything feels almost sequestered into, you know, you're doing this on you're on social media looking at your quote your social media followers and friends 
and you're not looking at the world around you and just kind of, it's almost like you're putting up a, a little bit of a barrier. Yeah. 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 Cause you're in your own safe group and you don't go out of that group. And when, you know, these days when you do go out of that group and someone uh, voices some kind of um, something that's kind of contrary to what your group says, then there tends to be a lot of, um, um, what, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, insults, you feel insulted. You feel, mm-hmm. you feel like people don't know what's going on. And I feel, which, ri- I would say it's almost like a rivalry. Like you have to, it becomes almost a competition. Like it's almost a sibling, a sibling rivalry of sorts that no, my, my way, my ideas are better. And right. it's almost, it's a, a it's almost like a base or I guess basal instinct of to of trying to exclude something because it doesn't make you you get uncomfortable. Right. Right. I mean, I guess that's valid to a certain extent and, and we all have to and, and it's valid only because we are in social media. You know, we're not in a group anymore. So we don't we don't talk in groups anymore. We especially through the pandemic, we're getting actually less and less used to talking in person and more and more talking online and and you know that kind of an anonymity allows you to have those separations mm-hmm. and it allows you to so, kind of i would say you know agitate people yeah yeah without without um thought yeah, <laughs> or, or repre- cause yeah <laughs> it allows you to be the i would say the the a baser instinct of yourself where you, you can be mean and not get any kind of reprisal because they don't, they don't know where it's coming from and you can disconnect and move on. Right. Right. And if we, you know, my, my thing is, is that if you don't do the work that is, if you don't do any, I say everybody needs therapy. Everybody should go to therapy at some point in their lives because we are so, um, we don't get out of the personal very easily. We don't get out of that kind of whatever you want to say, bullying or, or, um, or one-upmanship or, or because we don't know where that comes from. Like, where does it come from? Does it come from a fear? Does it come from, you know, does it come from um, you not feeling um, heard and all you want to do is be heard? And do you know you want to be heard? And if you don't know, you don't want to be heard if you don't know what you want to be heard, then it comes out as a neuroses. And, and most of us are, are expressing ourselves through neuroses, right? Yeah. As a comedian, you know that, right? <laughs> Boy, do I. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been doing, have you been a transpersonal therapist now? Like how long has that? I mean, actively for about 14 years. Wow. So I, yeah, I've been actively a therapist for 14 years and um, a yoga meditation teacher for, I don't know, about that long, if not, no longer. Oh, 20 years. Do you incorporate the yoga into <laughs> like the yoga and meditation into like your therapy? Like, because I feel like that's a great mindfulness and something to kind of, I would say to you know, somebody that may be struggling, you know, something they can do on their own that kind of helps them kind of, okay, 
Let's block everything else out in the world. Let's just look inward. Uh, in, does that come into your therapy at all, or, or do you, does that just a uh, side? No, no, no. It's a great big part of it. Um, you know, I've been doing stuff online with clients, and um, and not only do we, you know, I'm not a talk therapist. Transpersonal therapy isn't necessarily about talk. It's about getting getting back into yourself, back into yourself, and uh, meditation is a is a part of that. It's not a big part of it. Sometimes it is, mm-hmm. sometimes it isn't. And I also teach online um, a free yoga class. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, to me, yoga, um, the practice of Hatha yoga, which is the physical yoga, mm-hmm. um, the postures is to actually wring out any of the stuff that's trapped in your joints and your your body because sometimes your body remembers traumatic things right like mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure there's people out there who have had been in in car accidents minor um i'll talk about minor accidents um and your body if you if that movement happens in a car another time you're going to remember and re- react to it. You're going to remember that movement in your body. And so to me, um, yoga, the practice of Hatha yoga is, is about kind of wringing out some of those chronic holdings and, and stuff. So the physical, I mean, really and truly, I think that the physical is the first part of sometimes of our process, mm-hmm. you know, and then the next thing is the, um, you know, the mind body connection and then the mind stuff and then the emotional stuff. And so all of that starts to connect. So the mind body connection starts to make sense and the emotionality of that becomes, you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. It just makes sense. <laughs> have you thought about ever incorporating art since you, you are, you have, I guess, an eye for artistry and stuff like that since you're architectural and stuff. Have you thought about maybe bringing that into I do actually, I started a program that is, um, it's, you know, it encapsulates all of this stuff, but a program for creatives. So any, anybody who is feeling that they're stuck in their writing or that they can't get deeper into their writing or, um, so I work on their, their work with them, um, and artists, an artist as well. I haven't worked with an artist just yet, but, um, I do use different things like visual things I do use, um, writing, um, and, uh, um, I haven't used painting just yet okay. just because, but I do use objects. Okay. I ask people to gather objects and stuff. Interesting. I just thought, I just th- remember that you said that I was like, I wonder if she's like had like a, a therapeutic painting class where she just has everybody just kind of, you know, just paint their feelings and, yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't done that just because it's not, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few people out there doing it. So um, I do other techniques to get people into whatever, but I can try it out. Okay. I just, you were, you were talking about being an artist. It's like, I bet she does, she, she can, you know, rock out some, you know, some paintings or maybe, you yeah. know, maybe you, you could paint what they're, giving you like you could almost give them a take-home painting of of you yeah. know their spiritual like you can you can paint what 
you feel whatever their <laughs> their aura is yeah yeah i mean um what's really great is when you do um like a deep meditation or um or you work with dreams um i work with dreams so uh you could get somebody to to actually draw the the part of their dream that was really powerful for them and see what comes up with that so so that would be that would be interesting yeah yeah so is that so the create did the creative process come from just you being a creative and just i guess feeling that that i guess sometimes that i guess inability to to have inspiration to paint or you know to whatever to create in your own life and you wanted to try to find a way to to work past it to work past which your, your creative blocks or for they say we're talking about with writing and stuff like that to to guess past those barriers that are keeping you from what you believe you're achieve or achieving that creative process like you were saying they couldn't write something or they were stuck there's there's when you get stuck in writing, especially, um, usually it's because you don't know the motivation of the character or you don't know um, a character trait that might um, be a part of um, the motivations of the character. So, so if, so when I started to work like this, I started to realize that if I didn't know myself deeper or deeply, I really I'm working on the surface of, of my writing and I, and I'm not making connections to the story. So the connections from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, how do you get there? Um, and it became sort of this whole idea of that. It's my own hero's journey. So, you know, how in scripts, because I'm a screenwriter. Um, so they call it the hero's journey and there's a structure to it. And, and I'm finding more and more that our lives have that, the the same kind of journey. And even though we don't have these huge explosions that happen in the middle of the, our movie, um, we still have something that starts to change our mind about things and starts as we get older, starts to change our mind about things and starts to ask us to think about things differently and start to, see ourselves differently because, and do things differently Mm -hmm. because, you know, we do, you know, kind of um, develop defense mechanisms. Everybody knows this defense mechanisms that kind of help us as we move through life. But then at some point in our lives, those things don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that throws you for a loop. And so you have to kind of try to start, figuring out from there yeah how you use who you are to get through some of the the you know the trauma or some of the struggles in our lives you know as a writer we struggle with rejection all the time yeah so how do you work with that so that's interesting because that's how I write jokes when you said that because I usually try to write jokes about three or four times before I put pen to paper. And that's again because you were like you were saying like I don't know it's not a personal it's so usually the first time I'll write it I'll think you know that's about five other people's answer to this question and so I'll try to I'll dig deeper and like what's my experience what's something in so I I totally get where you're coming from because that's kind of how I write materials I try to get to a more original response to the question than 
anybody else can because it's it's unique to me. It's unique to my physical, emotional, and all my you know my strengths and shortcomings. It all plays into my material, and so that's that was really fascinating. We told about the writing and the hero's journey, and that you just don't know you haven't you haven't really you haven't given it enough thought that you've you've gotten the the superficial idea and that could be right. that could be the the reader's digest version of this joke where it's anybody that reads this could tell their coworker but then you have right, right. to dig deeper and find you know what really you know what does it mean to you how we're, we're based on your experiences why is this why is this a passion thing for you why is this something you're afraid of why is this something that you find weird and so mm-hmm. it's very it it definitely strikes a chord with me when you said that i was like oh that's exactly how i write jokes is if it, it doesn't work i'm like okay obviously i don't have enough either you know i'm not basically explaining it well enough or i don't have enough personal connection to really resonate with this audience the challenge that i'm facing that i'm just wow i'm come across as as complaining or whining because they can't see my struggle wow yeah yeah no that's perfect that's lovely that's really really great because that's exactly what i'm talking about and there's a there's some people out there who struggle with getting to that core you know getting to that deeper yeah. experience and and yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly how to, I mean, it's funny because um, I think that uh, 90% of our stories are universal. That's why we can, we can actually gather people together. And then 10% of our stories are truly about our experience and, and, um, and kind of making that personal connection. And when you make that personal connection, um, you know, I don't know if you watched Tig's um, special. I watched the uh, one where she had the Indigo Girls. Is the last one I saw where she had she she played drums for the Indigo Girls, that which was really cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was it was it she she had cancer, right? So she was she she brought that into um, one of her standups, and and it was the most amazing. Um, thing that kind of exploded her out into the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you saw that, but um, but that's you know those are things that you think are so personal that you can't talk about, that you shouldn't talk about, but those are the things that people will just you'll connect with people even more because there's not only a universality of of having to struggle with. I don't know, sickness or whatever, but also an empathy. People want to be empathetic. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's great. So I I struggle with empathy because I am somewhere on the spectrum. And so sometimes I don't know, it's almost like I don't know on my Rolodex of things to say, nothing comes up. So interpersonal conversations are always my big bugaboo. I just can't, I don't, sometimes I just can't dial the right words or I'll dial words that aren't personal or I guess empathetic and sometimes taken in a joking way can end up, I guess, upsetting (laughs) or hurting people's feelings. And so that's one of my big struggles is just trying to, I guess, really resonate, you know, not just resonate, but reflect 
because I can I can understand where they're coming from. I just don't know how to reflect that that back to them to let them know, yes, I understand what you're saying. Right. And sometimes we don't have to say anything. And and that's where, um, you know, for me, that's where the work of, you know, the transpersonal therapy work can really start to, you know, make you so in touch with your heart that that will resonate. And, and you will move from that place because a lot of people have a hard time with responding to people just because we're always in our head, right? We're always thinking, it's like, what should I say now? What should I say now? Um, some people are, are, are more, you know, about, you know, talking about them a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but, um, but if you, if you come from your heart, you'll always know what to do. And, and so you have to drop the energy from here. You have to drop it down into that burning heart beat, you know, that connects you with that other person and says, I see you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you could say it with your eyes and, and not with anything else, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't have to say anything. Yeah. You know. That's kind of the hard thing in, in the comedy community yeah. is a lot of us are the social outcasts and the people that don't get these situations right. And so they don't there's not a good we don't have we have some good conversations, but it's it can it can abruptly change or start or end just because a lot of us aren't the I guess social we're not good at fading in and out and I guess reading people. So we just yeah. kind of, we we're kind of all egocentric. So it's kind of you, people jump in, be the spotlight and then jump out. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's, yeah, that is uh, um, a part of this whole thing, right? It's part of trying to belong and trying to be part of the the dialogue, trying to be part of the party and, uh, trying to be liked and and you know it's all that stuff that um, that makes us kind of act crazy <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so um, it's it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to mm-hmm. like. I'm a very quiet person. I actually don't talk a lot. This is a lot of talking for me. <laughs> You're doing amazing. So, You're doing an amazing job. You're oh, thank you. <laughs> But it's, it's, you have to feel okay. I mean, even as a comedian, even as an actor, even as uh, an artist, even as, you know, a regular person, you have to feel, you have to get to a place to feel okay within yourself to actually risk not saying anything. And, you know, the whole thing about what I teach in therapy is to just risk doing what you don't normally do. Right. Yeah. So, so, so if you're at a party and, you know, we, um, we do this, this thing and I ask people to go away and, and we would pick a personality or pick a, a, a known personality, um, celebrity or whatever. Um, and to act out a particular part of themselves that, um, they don't know they have, 
So for you uh, or a comedian, let's say a comedian, not for you, I'm not going to personalize this. So for a, a comedian that you're talking about in that particular situation, I would ask them to think about being the kind of person that is so cool and so clear about who they are in themselves that they don't have to say a thing okay. and to try that out for an hour. Cause usually if it's a really intense thing, cause you you're the kind of person that wants to say something wants to be involved um, and get along, then, you know, an hour is good enough. Um, but I would say, try it out, try okay. out something that feels risky and don't say anything and, and really get, to know what's happening inside you, like how nervous that makes you feel or how um, angry that might make you feel or how sad that might make you feel or how relieved that might make you feel. And so that's starting to get to know what the impetus to say something in the first place is about. What is that perturbation? What is that vibration? Okay. So, yeah, I'm talking voodoo now. That's that's totally fine. Like, I, it's 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 definitely a lot of times a lot of people don't take that time that I guess reflection time to kind of yeah. or to immerse themselves and to take a moment to to soak it all in. Like we we kind of do it in the good times and you know sometimes when it's bad we just you know can't help but you know immerse ourselves in the sorrow or you know whatever shortcut failure or tragedy that happened. But yeah. Yeah. Cause we're told that, I mean, I remember a friend um, I was living with two uh, roommates and a friend just lost um, her mother and she was like in her twenties and that's a very young age to lose your mother. And, um, and the other roommate a week later says, get over it. And you know, that's, that's an attitude that, um, you know, we're told that we're not supposed to feel these feelings for a, only a certain amount of time. And then we're supposed to let them go and, and just get on with things. And, and sometimes we need to feel them and we need to get in touch with these things. And the reason why is because they're not as big as you think they are. Definitely. Right. So speaking of things that <laughs> that aren't as big as you they should they they tend to be you you have a fear it's very i guess i could see that you know it's it's a it's a fairly common fear go ahead and tell people what you're afraid of it's a very common fear i mean i'm even embarrassed to say it it's um a fear of heights but a really i mean it's pretty acute i mean okay. Um, you know, those, those roads on the California coast where Northern mm -hmm. California, where it goes over from cliff to cliff, expands from cliff to cliff. Yeah. I cannot do that. Okay. I, I cannot do that unless the driver is driving really slow. And I mean, really slow okay. because I have a fear of, of being, uh, being up there. Okay. So, so. is it, is it heights <laughs> or is it just. Is it treachery? Is it the treachery of certain heights? So, like, you could get on a ladder and that's fine. But, it, like you said, the dangerous, twisty, winding cliffside roads, or the, or maybe like the Grand Canyon where they have the bridge that's a glass that you. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> would not do that. My sister did that with my mom and um, I, I couldn't even look at the pictures. I can't look at any pictures where somebody's hanging um, near or hanging over a cliff or on the edge of a cliff. Mm-hmm. I cannot look at those pictures and any commercial that has um, something with something falling off a cliff. I cannot wa- I have to close my eyes. Okay. So action, action movies are sort of out for me because I cannot watch any cr- Tom Cruise jumping off anything. Okay. I just. <laughs> so where do you think this started? Like where, where do you think your fear of heights like stems from? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have to say that, uh, the treachery thing that, that actually never occurred to me, but I think, I think you're onto something when you said the treachery part of it. I mean, I, I think I can walk up ladders. Um, and, but I couldn't walk up on a roof when somebody was building a house. Okay. Um, and, oh, what was it? Oh, but I lived on the 24th floor and I could, I could stand on the balcony after a while. So okay. it's maybe climatization. It's climbing and, and climatization. I, yeah. That and maybe just, it's just not be, it's not, I guess, focus because when you're, you know, if you, as long as you're just looking at like where you're going and not over here or seeing, like you said, like the treachery or the, the danger that, or how high you are any of those yeah. things, I think you seem like you'd be the person to be fine. It's just as long as you'd have to have someone for you, like, keep with me, you know, like we're, we're doing fine. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel you could be coaxed or at least <laughs> as long as you don't divert or start to, to be aware of the surroundings and maybe the danger. Yeah. I think that's it because I think if I think of my feet, I'm done for Okay. because because if I'm climbing and I think of um, how high my feet are off the normal ground, then I get really afraid. But it's also the vertigo thing, right? Okay. It's the thing of looking over something mm-hmm. and my stomach starts to turn yeah. and the bottom falls out. See, I, had, right. so, I got that later on in life, like in my 30s or something, because I worked at a place that had a... They had a, a escalator, I guess, way of getting up, and you could see, you know, to yeah. sub levels and stuff. And it's just, even though there's a glass wall there, you can somehow just, if something were to happen where I was to upend over this, right, right. I mean, that's exactly how when I'm standing on the balcony, if I don't think of myself all of a sudden falling over the railing, then I'm fine. But if I start thinking that way, then I have to walk inside. I can't stay up there. So when you were living on the 24th floor, how long did it take you to actually get to your bout or like to go out on your balcony? <laughs> it, it took me, um, I don't know. It took me a few months Okay. of, of, of trying to, trying to get out there. Yeah. And, and really staying back against the wall. Okay. So, so yeah. it took you, it, I was going to say, was it easy to just sit out on the balcony and not look over the balcony versus just to be outside and not n- and just pretend like, oh, I'm on the ground floor. I'm just going out into my little backyard space. Or Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, 
I think it's the imagination of, of um, knowing that I'm not on the ground mm-hmm. because uh, um, because in this, in, in the same way, if when I'm flying, if I don't think of my feet not being on the ground, I'm fine. But the minute I know that my feet are off, off the ground, that I'm in the air, I I start panicking. <laughs> I start having a panic attack. See, I used to have those dreams or the the dreams of being up high, like in an elevator or on a on, a, on some sort of building side or whatever, and being. Mm you know, close to falling off or like having the bottom of the elevator open under my feet. And it's very, it's a very, it's a very intense, I guess, fear, you know, like you're, you fall off, but you're not falling per se. Like you're kind of levitating there that you can get back to the safety of the roof or the building. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had a dream um, where I was on in a building and then the floor fell out, but there was nothing underneath the floor. So I was hanging on to the rafters and, and not wanting to drop and not wanting to fall. And in my dream, I remembered that my mentor teacher told me about another dream where I was stopping myself from drowning in baked beans, a river of baked beans. Who knows what that dream was about, but I stopped myself from drowning. And he says, why? don't you just let yourself drown because you're in a dream. So why don't you let yourself drown, let go, take the risk. And so in the dream of hanging from the rafters, because I, I am terrified at this moment um, because I fell through the floor and, um, and I kept on telling myself to, why don't I just let go? Why don't I just let go? Why don't I just let go? And I let go. Okay. And then I woke up. Okay, <laughs> that was kind of climactic, I, I guess. I mean, it's, but it's an interesting thing that sometimes I do have that level of, I guess, control in my dream where I'm able to, I guess, cognate, you know, I cognizantly control, like, okay, this isn't real, this isn't, or I'm in control now. Like, it's one of those. It's very, it's very interesting that. Sometimes I'll have it. Sometimes I'll be completely, I guess, I don't, I don't know what part of your brain triggers that, but it's almost like your fight or flight mechanism and you're just overcome. But it's very interesting that some, there are times where you can kind of control your destiny in the, in the dream. Yeah. Yeah. You can change the way that you're um, responding in the dream. And, and, you know, I mean, really, I have to say that when I, Coming out of that dream, I felt a lot more calm, not about heights, (laughs) (laughs) but about my life, right? About that whole continuing to let go because, um, because that's what we have to do as human beings to get to our kind of inner truth. We have to kind of let go of Mm -hmm. of the things that hold us back. And, um, but I'm still afraid of heights. I still won't. (laughs) <laughs> so if you go to like touristy places like say you were to go to Italy or something like that some of those there's lots of rooftop like I guess places and stuff to kind of look out and look over is that something that like my dad's super terrified of, of heights so he ha- he ah. he will he will go up certain things but he will not go to the edge so if you take him up on a balcony he is by the door like okay whatever you guys ready to go back down 
I'm here. <laughs> like he does it. <laughs> he does not, I guess, handle. And I, I'll be interested to ask him if it's just the treachery of it, just the, just like what it is with you, where it's like you the, the imagination, like your fight or flight mechanism starts to, to basically defend itself. Like, okay, how are we going to defend? Okay, we're just going to get you to back away from this danger, by making it so to making it the only safe place to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it, and and it's primal. And and I was watching Trevor Noah's um, comedy special on Netflix the other night, and he talks about being afraid of pythons. He was in Bali. He went on these these trips, uh, this this excursion, and um, and the excursion part of it was a snake show, and from the front he stood up and he was going to the back and the person beside him starts making fun of him of why is he afraid of snakes? It's just snakes. And, um, and he says, no, no, I, it's in my genes to be afraid of snakes because I'm from Africa. So, so right. It's that primal thing. It's, it's also part of what I, you know, consider to be somewhat of a depression. My, my thought is it's a it's basically at your primal instinct telling you you're in danger because you're that's those are your depressive thoughts or you're you're alone and it's just your body trying to get you to to recognize hey we're not we're not designed to be lone lone wolf you know we're pack animals we're we're designed to be in a pack with everybody doing having a specific purpose for a common goal like right. you, like you were saying with the spirituality the physical the mental we're all there's there's that's why you feel hard you when you're depressed you know things about depression is breathing doing making doing a task because because that's something because once your brain focuses on you being alone out in the world by yourself that's the mental your biological you know or i guess your lizard brain is saying hey you're in danger yeah, you're you're by yourself. You're alone, and sometimes right. and people can can I guess give that voice like you're not worthy. No one likes you, and right. that it's just it's very to me. That's just you know because I I read a lot of by I guess body language books, and so there's a lot of talk about your primal like these are primal I guess motives that your body does that doesn't require speech or it doesn't require you know, advanced communication. It is basic. It is a basic need to, you are, you need to have this belonging feeling. If you don't, then your body is going to push you into getting that because it's trying to get you to scurry and to safety, the safety of a group instead of just isolate. Right. Right. And, and, and the transpersonal therapy, you just reminded me of, um, that you always have to bring yourself to the present moment, right? That's the, that's the meditation of a part of it is that our minds and our primal fears can, can play kind of tricks on us because, you know, for me, the height thing, there's really no reason to fear. So, um, so when you bring yourself back to the present moment and bring yourself back to your feet, your ground, you can, you can overcome that fear and that's the way to overcome it. Okay. You know, it, but it's just a, it's a knee jerk reaction, right? That 
thing will mm-hmm. react. And then with, with your presence of mind, you can just bring yourself back away from the fear, back away yeah. from the idea that you're not worthy or the idea that you're not, um, you know, valuable in this world. And you can bring it back to just the present moment of what's happening now. What do I need now? Mm-hmm. So do you, do you use that? I guess, is that how you kind of, I guess, self, I guess, self get yourself to, to go out on the balcony to, to maybe yeah. to go up, a, you know, somewhere to a lookout or something and maybe not get to the edge, but see the site. Okay. We got it. All right. Let's get back down on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I won't do it deliberately, go out on a, on a glass yeah. <laughs> thing, veranda, but, but, um, but if I'm in a situation like driving the car over the California highway, um, yeah, I will bring myself to where I am in the car and that my feet are on the floor and that, um, and that, you know, maybe I'll get in the driver's seat. So I have more control over it. <laughs> and, um, and, and yeah, that's, that's the way to do it for sure. That's awesome. Why? Well, I, I thank you for doing this, CK. Uh, it's been a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Where can people find you on social media if they're wanting to learn more about transpersonal therapy and the f- yoga and everything else that you bring? In the- well, I um, on social media, I have a Facebook page uh, for Restless Spirit Productions. Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, a website called www.restlessspiritproductions.com all one word all the mm-hmm. all um what else i have instagram um you can follow me at ck love rights on instagram and facebook and um for um the anthology because i'm doing a book together uh anthology of women writers. Um, that's the glow project, um, on Facebook. Um, and if you want to join my yoga class, you can join my yoga class. Cause I do it for free online. Um, you just have to ask me the, um, the question. Okay. So it's <laughs> very, that's, it sounds very, that's awesome. Like it's a very, it's, I would say it's kind of spiritual because it's almost like, you have to, you have to, it's almost bringing yourself almost in that frame of mind to do yoga, to have, yeah. to have like, okay, here's the mindset, the question and things like that. And it's, it may be an open-ended question where it's like, you know, how are you feeling or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And you're, you're compa- you have an anthology of female writers, so it's just you, it's you and some other female writers for, is this a novels or is this like for the. They're like transpersonal therapy, I guess, writing. Well, the whole idea was to bring, it's called Midlife on Fire. And um, it's it was a whole idea to bring the voices of women in midlife out into um, the world, um, just because there isn't a lot of um, recognition of women in midlife. So, so that was a part of it. Um, it's just to be an advocate for, for, us that's awesome <laughs> really well, i mean it's but i mean that it, it is such an emotional journey there i mean you're talking you're talking about like you know you're go you're you're on the way to menopause and things like that where there's a lot of biological and i guess hormonal and 
you know, that can all play a part in your, your mental and I guess, emotional states. And it's, it's definitely something that's needed. Something that, you know, says, Hey, we know what you're going through and, you know, here's kind of how we've handled it. And it kind of gives you, cause there, there's not much for that. And then, you know, it's hard because I know my mom, when she went through it, you know, just kind of sequestered herself in a room and, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it'd be nice to have, I guess, a, a community of that. Like there's something that says, Hey, life isn't over. And, you know, here's, here are the heat, you know, processes that we've gone through and things that we found helpful. I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So thank you. Yes, yeah. you articulated very well. So thank you. <laughs> and where did you get yeah. Restless Spirit Productions from? Like, what is that? Is that just something that embodies you as a, as the person you've always, you've always been the restless spirit that you've never been, I guess, satisfied with certain like just architecture or just art that you're kind of constantly seeking, I guess, another challenge or passion. Yes. Yes, exactly that. And I think that a lot of us are like that. A lot of us are um, restless spirits and we all want to, we all want to um, explore, um, you know, our deeper selves and, and sometimes we're, we're, we need to be given permission. And so restless spirit productions is all about giving, um, that kind of permission, at least to, to me and the people around me. Um, cause I just did a short film, you know? Um, so that's, that was a part of this whole journey of, yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it's always, it's always fun. It's fun to have a challenge and it's as an artist, it's always, it's interesting. In fact, you get drawn into other people's that like, creativity and stuff. And it's like, Oh, I never thought of doing that or I've never thought of doing a podcast or any of that. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. I think it's a really great creative outlet, the, the podcast thing. And I'm, I'm so glad that so many people are doing it because there's so many, so many ways of doing it, so many personalities. And, and I love this kind of conversational, it's really great to have a conversation with someone who's interested, yeah. you know, in, in what I'm doing. So thank you, Ryan. Yeah. It's, it really, it really was fun to talk to you about all this stuff. It was great. So. I enjoyed having you. We'll have you on again in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. So that was CK. That was an awesome conversation. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed learning about transpersonal therapy. It definitely makes sense because we all say mind, body, and soul, but it seems like we only go to other people to talk about mind and body. And that maybe we also need to go find someone to talk about the soul. So check out CK at RestlessSpiritProductions.com. That will be in the show notes. She does creative therapy, which I think is an amazing venture to help people find the truth in their writing and whatever creative vision they have. As someone that writes jokes, I can tell you it is a difficult process. Some of my jokes take years to write just because you're either not equipped to go deep enough into that topic to actually find what the the pure, honest truth of it is. And you'll either go for like a low-hanging fruit, like a very generic answer to the question, or you just get so deep into it 
that you miss it entirely and it just you just kind of miss the mark. So I feel that's a definite, you know, place that we could all go as a creative to share, you know, hangups and roadblocks and maybe not because we can't see what's just to our right that we should be doing. We're just looking straight ahead at what we want to do with it. And so sometimes you need that second voice to kind of change how you look at things so that you can find the truth. So yeah, check out CK Love on Facebook as well as RestlessSpiritProductions.com and other social media. We'll have the links in the show notes. As for me, ladies and gentlemen, we have the recordings of a CD. I've listened to the first show uh, sent to me by Travis, and it sounds awesome. Like, I'm really impressed with what we, what I've got so far. And so I hope I'll make a comedy album and we'll figure out what to do with it as we get it all laid out and, and edited and everything else. So thank you guys again for listening. If you like what you hear on the podcast, leave a review. If you have suggestions for the show or you want to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. With that being said, guys, uh, we are at the end of January. I am about to head out to Dave and Buster's to do my weekly, my last week of football watch partyisms. And it's been fun. We had a great time. I was me, Miles, and Mike Bradshaw. And, you know, I've done that and I've done comedy all this month. I was in Wichita. I was in Oklahoma City. Then I did Fort Worth where I recorded my for my album. And then this last week I was in Dallas with Kevin Farley, which was an amazing weekend. Sold out of t-shirts. I had a great set. And it just seems like everything's going well. I'll be at the Addison Improv tonight. And so after that, then I'll be at the Hyenas Red Room in Fort Worth with Ralph Barbosa and Devin Clark. You might want to check out that show as well. It'll be a great time. That being said, guys, thank you guys again so much for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. And I hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S as well as his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at SomeFearFans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S, at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration also if you'd like to be a guest email me at somefearfans at gmail.com we can try to iron out some details and get that settled in you know give us some feedback if on apple google spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts leave a review it makes the show bigger and it's not going anywhere i'm going to record as many shows as i possibly can if you want to follow me 
on social media. I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. <laughs>